There's one word that they say, if I don't have this, I don't have movement. It's the one thing in the entire universe. In fact, this is a universal principle. It's, it is an absolute. Good morning. Happy Thursday. I have neural coffee in hand and it is perfect. Anterior rotation of the thorax. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Is this is this like a like your your sort of like very compressed kind of sternum, and then they would be accused of having rounded shoulders? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, that's an anterior orientation of thorax. Okay. So, let's say, I guess when I when I'm trying to think, and maybe I'm over. I don't think I'm overthinking this. I think I just I just don't understand where pressures are going. Okay. So in that situation, like they're, because if we were to give them like traction, like too early on their shoulders to try to, un, oh. like if we we're trying to hold their arm, they're relaxed and we're trying to do this while uh -huh, doing like uh -huh, on the uh -huh, twist. Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. But yet, like since a conversation, like a, whatever, a week or two ago on the intensive thing, it was, I've been noticing, like, we're talking about adding, like, compression first, like, having to allow stuff, like, but I find, like, people have an easier time breathing, and it seems like the muscles will sort of chill before you can start to, like, yes, so I guess I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, like, figure <clears throat> out still, like, wh what, why, once someone's at an end game, do we need to, like, allow like it's like we have to allow the er wave to be closer before we start giving okay some type right. of yeah great question so let's let's squeeze all of the air out of somebody right all of it all of it okay as much as you can right there's always residual volume but point being let's let's squeeze it out yeah <clears throat> where's their space Decide. They don't even have that. It's gone. Think about this, Cameron. I need a space to move into. Yeah. And I don't even have that. Point being, point being, squeeze all the air out of a balloon or whatever, like any representation you can think of that, that would be that would be full of air. Squeeze it all out and then pull on it. And what happens? Does it expand? No. You're actually creating, you're actually creating, you're, you're, so you're elongating in a direction and it's going to pull in even tighter when you think about it, right? Okay. So if you pull on something too soon, right? If I'm trying to elongate a segment of some sort and I'm going to do something manual in that regard, it's like, that's why. So think about uh, if you're going to do like a, a leg pull or something like that and you're trying to produce an ER representation of a femur, it's like, what, what position do you literally have to create to, to even do that mo that mobilization? It's like, I got to twist it into the ER representation proximally so I can actually have expansion in the area that I need it to create the ER shape. You see it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, like, pro 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 proximally, there, you've got to be able, because we're talking about that, anterior oriented thorax like you you've got to be able to have that proximal er mm -hmm. e even though the relationship eventually is 
you know, to untwist or whatever down that way, but like there's, there is nothing to move into. So therefore literally have to be able to create is whatever is whatever proximal that they don't have. You got to go get that first. Correct. Correct. So, so I got to create a shape or a position that allows a space to be created. Otherwise, what am I missing? It's a, there's one word that, that, that addresses this entire thing. There's one word that, that say, if I don't have this, I don't have movement. It's the one thing in the entire universe. In fact, this is a universal principle. It's, it is an absolute, it cannot be done without this. Like, really just looking around at other people, see if it looks like that. <laughs> see who's smiling right now? <laughs> yeah. No, one I, I see one word. What is it? One word. One word? One word. You say one word, you got the answer. Zach, Zach just came on the screen and he's smiling. And so I think Zach knows, but but he's probably hesitant to, to offer it up because he doesn't want to embarrass you. I like watching Cameron suffer. <laughs> You know what? I, I believe I've actually said this on a call before that I do. I, I like you're one of my favorite people just to watch struggle because I, I, I see the wheels turning and the smoke coming out of your ears, man. It's it's uh, yeah. So I feel like this whole, already today. I'm super excited about what we got. Now we're almost at the finish line. Now it's like we're not. We all you need to give me is, so what, is, it, what, Cameron, is, is, is Cameron. We're just going like, to sit here. Like, we're all going to sit here on this call and we're all going to stare at your little little corner of the screen. Okay, everybody, pin Cameron on your screen so it's really big and we can all just stare at you until you I get done. Right. Hair yet? <laughs> Cameron, there, there is no finish line. Well, Thank you. I love that. I'll leave the pain for this one concept, Alex. The pain for this one before the next battle. Alex, that, <laughs> Alex, that's like the 16% video for today. There is no <laughs> I was something. <clears throat> okay, come on, Cameron. So it's so it's not the one word of the universe in which you can't you need something to move into. Yes. Like you can't move without it. Like it's the one thing that like, like move that does not exist. I guess I'm just creating a gradient, but it's like you have to create a gradient. There has to be a differential. If there's no differential, there there can be no movement, right? Um, if if you look at look at this on a cellular level, right? Yeah. If, if the concentration of an of an ion is equal on both sides of a membrane, there is no movement, right? Same thing with 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 water, right? The water water doesn't flow unless there's a gradient. Charge doesn't move unless there's a gradient, right? A protein doesn't change shape without a gradient. Like it's it's so in this case. Yeah, sorry, it's okay. It's okay. I'm just rambling to to till you come up with something interesting to to, to, to fill my silent time. Thank so, you so much. So inhale expansion towards the shoulder. It opens. It turns out, and then it turns back in. This is why you breathe. That's why you, you need a tidal breathing cycle because I need the inhale and the exhale to drive both the internal and the external rotation. Um, I, I'm still thinking about uh, Max, uh, Max's question at the beginning and I was playing with the, with the, with the, what you, the, the gradient between the, the first metatarsal, uh, first metacarpal and, and the radius. Uh-huh. Um, and I apologize for being so nitty gritty into the little details. Uh, but uh, my question is, if you, if you put the hand fixed 
in, in a side frog position and you, you make the, the radius turn in, rotate in. Yes. What, what is happening? There are two little bones between the radius and the first metacarpal and the scaphoid and the, the trapezium. And I, I wonder if there should be also a relative motion there of uh, ER and IR. Like you, you were referring to, to, to the whole thumb as, a, as one chunk. Yeah. I, I wonder what is happening, for example, to the junction between the first metacarpal bone and, and the trapezium. Um, okay, also... hang on, hang on. So, so the goal is relative motion. Mm -hmm. Okay. If I internally rotate the distal radius towards the surface, mm -hmm. okay, what's going to happen at the next point of relative motion? If, if the distal radius is uh, internally rotated, then uh, the, the adjacent joint should be external. It's a, it's a scaphoid, right? Scaphoid, yes. Okay, what's going to happen to the scaphoid? It, it should be ER. Okay, and then, oh, hang on. And if I keep turning it, is it going to start to move with the radius? If you turn it, to, if you turn it still, if you turn the scaphoid to the ER, if you make it more ER. Okay, but it can only turn into ER relative to the radius so much. Uh-huh. Then it's going to follow the radius, is it not? Yes. Awesome. So now I got a radius and a scaphoid that are moving as a single bone. Right. And then you have the trapezium. Yes. Where's the trapezium going to move relative to the scaphoid if the scaphoid is now moving into IR? It will, in, in an ideal world of relative motions, it should be going ER, but... Uh, okay. But... I'm going to eventually hit a constraint, aren't I? And it's going to drag itself into IR with, with the radius, the scaphoid, and then the trapezium follows, right? Right. Awesome. What happens next? The, the first metacarpal bone. Is going to what? Relative to the trapezium? Relative to the trapezium, it should be ER. But awesome. But at some point, it's going to start to follow the trapezium, is it not? Yes. But, awesome. you put it, but you put it on an elevated, you said you're bringing the ground. I am. I'm holding, I'm, I am holding the hand in ER from distal to proximal. Okay. From distal to proximal in, in uh, ER, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Annette, if we were talking about a foot, <clears throat> And, and I wanted the, the foot to be able to pronate and supinate normally. What two bones would I be concerned with? The calcaneus, the, the heel bone. And? And the, the, the mid-tarsals and, and, the, and the first. Um, awesome. We just had that conversation. Mm -hmm. It's the same conversation. Mm -hmm. with the hand do you understand yes i am i understand but if you if you split it to little to the min, min, minuscule seconds uh-huh 
there should be a relative motion between even the little bones like the, the, yes. the... Mm-hmm. do I not want that I, I think you want it no I do but what do I not want what would be the mistake that it will go uh, together at the same time that everything would turn into IR at the same time right right how do I stop that from happening mm. Okay, okay, so it's uh, along the time, yeah. If I block the hand, right? I block the hand, and then everything moves relative between the hand and the radius until it doesn't. And then it stops. Uh oh. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so and when you go up to the proximal, so that if, if the, the, the distal, Radius is internally rotated. Then, relatively, the uh, you also mentioned it that the the proximal humerus would be externally rotated. No? Relative to the position of the radius. Yes. The, I should say the forearm. I should say the forearm to just to be the forearm. Yeah. Yeah, because because we got we got a muscle that's attached to both bones in the forearm. So he was talking about the anterior deltoids. Yes, ma'am. It 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 will create. Uh, if the if the anterior deltoid is concentrically oriented, it would it would promote an internal rotation of the humerus. Right. Okay, if I internally rotate the forearm with the elbow bent, the, the mm-hmm. humerus will move relatively in the opposite direction than than the IR of the forearm. So it ERs so, the humerus. Yeah, that reduces. That reduces the concentric orientation of the anterior deltoid, thus reducing the anterior orientation of the thorax. Right. So that would, if the humerus is externally rotated and the, 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 the anterior deltoid is more eccentric relatively, so the, there would be an expansion in the back, right? In the... To a degree. Sorry? Ah, to a degree. Yeah. So what We're trying to create... We're trying to create an early representation where we have both ER and IR present. We're trying to move towards that representation where we actually have relative motion. So what will happen to the pump handle in, in such a case? Um, I would hope that it would start to move as well, because again, we're in a position where we should have relative motions available. But a, a, an elevated pump hand, handle is correlated more with internal rotation of the humerus. Um, it so the um, y- yes, all right. <laughs> okay, is ER and IR both present? Where in the in the everywhere in this position we have we have created a position of relative motions, right? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. Um, when I breathe in, if I have relative motions, what mm-hmm. should happen to the pump handle? It should go, it should go anteriorly and up. Okay, All right. So that creates the potential for internal rotation, does it not? Yes. All right, when I exhale, what happens? Does the humerus turn down and in or does it does it turn up and out? When I exhale. Uh, according to this logic, it should go externally rotated. No? 
¿no? Ajá, ah, ok, ok. Yes, I understand. It's like what you said in the, in the hip, that it goes from ER to IR to ER. Now I, I see it. Okay, thank you. So it goes like this, it goes like this. As I breathe. Okay. See it? Yeah. Thank so, you so much. So yes. Inhale, expansion towards the shoulder. It opens, it turns out, and then it turns back in. This is why you breathe. That's why you, you need a tidal breathing cycle because I need the inhale and the exhale to drive both the internal and the external rotation through the segments. So all the segments are doing this. Yeah. No. But I have to be in a position that allows this to happen because if, if I don't produce the position of relative motions, it goes exhale, exhale, right. yeah. exhale, exhale. Yeah. I never get the inhale, right? You see it? Of course, yes, yes. It's, yeah. not, bin, it's not binaric. binaric. It's, uh, yeah, it's uh, more, more a gradient. It's not uh, zero and one. It's, uh, Thank you. Where would relative motion lie to its greatest degree? Like oxidative? Yes. Good morning. I have neural coffee in hand and it is perfect. Um, here's what you need. Here's what you need. You, she starts out fine. She does a lot of stuff that's, that's great. Right. Where when is she changing to in a in a negative manner? Associated with what? Fatigue. Okay. So what's a resting heart rate? Uh, I do not have an answer to that, but I know like something we have been working on. Um, like what I noticed with their heart rate data is she skyrockets very quickly. So I've been like, just trying to like build like an aerobic base with her with a lot of like her like extra conditioning. Okay, so so number one, because from a mechanical perspective, everything seems to be really good, right? But she she reaches a certain point of fatigue, and then that's where she starts to change. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so this is something that that is underappreciated. Right. The minute I don't. So so we talk about tidal volume and stuff like that for relative motion. Right. From an energy production standpoint. OK. Energy production standpoint. If we had to divide the, the, the uh, energy output into three different systems as they would do to teach you in school. Where would relative motion lie to its greatest degree? Like oxidative? Yes. Okay. So she crosses over. She can't produce enough power output oxidatively. She's got to dip into the shorter term energy systems. And then what happens? Back in. Huh? Back in. Yeah. Yeah, underappreciated.
she's changing. She's losing relative motions due to the inability to produce energy oxidatively. As long as she can do that, she maintains the power output. She has control over, back to Cameron's uh, question, she has control over a gradient, okay? And then what happens? Well, let's see, we get a whole bunch of changes in regards to the ion content of her bloodstream. That would be one thing. Changes the rate at which she breathes, right? So now she's moving into a, a shorter excursion of her breathing, right? She's going to default harder into her archetype tendencies, and now you have back pain. So where's the solution? Uh, I guess kind of what we've been working on is continuing to build the aerobic base and just build like conditioning. Right. Now, the thing you got to be really, really careful of here is that you don't create secondary issues by allowing her to move into the shorter term energy systems to the degree where she starts to get symptomatic because that's a learned behavior, just like everything else is. In terms of like almost like starting to create sensitizations that shouldn't be there? Well, that's one of the things, yes. But 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 again, you're looking at default behaviors, right? Mm -hmm. like, like she's responding to changes in chemistry at this point. Because she has to, right? She wants to keep up. How do you keep yeah. up? Okay. So I breathe more frequently. I breathe more shallowly, right? I you, know, you have to use more more accessory muscle activity to uh, to breathe. Right? Yeah, so she muscle tone is going to increase. Sympathetic output for those of you that like to talk about autonomic nervous system. Sympathetic output's increasing, right? All right, that that all adds up. And even like when you start saying like breathing like more shallowly, like she she has said that like her teammates will make fun of her because like yeah. when she starts to get tired, like they say like she's like panting like a dog. Do you ever, <laughs> that's, that's really sweet of them. Uh, you ever work with somebody that's been accused of uh, exertional uh, uh, asthma? Uh -huh. Exercise induced asthma is what they call it, right? Or exertional asthma. You ever have somebody that lost a bunch of weight and their asthma went away? Yeah. Is it, is it really asthma? Or is it just somebody that is living in glycolysis? for lack of a better explanation. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess. Uh, is she really explosive? No, not really. Okay. Um, then you don't need to worry about that as far as like, you know, like a, a fiber typing kind of a thing. Okay. So here's, so here's, here becomes the question now. So there's, there's two sides to this equation. All right. There is delivery and there's extraction. Okay, you need, to figure out, you need to figure out whether she's got a delivery problem or an extraction problem. How would one go about doing that? Well, you could check her resting heart rate, okay? Or you could do a, a threshold test and see where she crosses the line, so to speak. There is no true anaerobic threshold, but we can we can guesstimate a behavior where she is no longer able to, to meet power output with oxidative capacity using that test, okay? So you need to see where that is. For her age and for her sport, it may be too low. 
right? So if she like if she can maintain, oh, you know, 170 beats per minute, right? In a threshold test, she's pretty solid, right? I mean that that'd be she'd be pretty much a monster at that point. Like she could she could probably do anything that she wanted to be able to do. But again, that's a guesstimation. Everybody behaves a little bit differently. Everybody's tolerance is a little bit different. You could have two people that play the same position um, at very high level soccer, and one will produce more energy um, using short-term energy systems, but their tolerance to it is so much higher. Another person will have to have a much greater oxidative capacity. What you have to figure out is where is that cutoff for her? Guess what? You can still use movement too, right? You do the test. You get the heart rate and heart rate data, and then you table test her, and you see what drops off. If she starts to look like the girl that had the back pain, guess what? Gotcha. You see it? Yeah. So I guess, in your opinion, like if we've made it this far in terms of like the process, like maybe some of that stuff that I started this question. You don't question, have, like, you don't have stuff to you don't have stuff to fix per se. Right. Mechanically, like mechanically, she's she seems pretty solid to me based on description. Now it's about the repeated the repeated outputs. Yeah. Yeah. Right. She's just getting, she's getting tired. And so what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to default. I'm going to regress. I got to use I got to use strategies that don't rely on oxygen, because guess what? I don't have any to use. OK, squeeze the bejesus out of yourself. Right. Yeah. All right. That's yeah. That's concerning. Yeah. But you know, from a lo local perspective, I mean, there's there's just a whole bunch of stuff that you could you could do. You want to be as specific as you can be, though, right? So, um, I wouldn't I wouldn't train her on a bike um, just because of the fact that she's running based. Yeah. Right. So you want to be as specific as possible with the with the the way that you load and the musculature that you're going to load. Right. Understood. Right, but but you're going to need some longer term oxidative exposures, right? Um, from a from a hypertrophy standpoint, you would want to focus on um, very slow tempo, kind of a lighter medium load type of an activity with continuous movement versus high force, right? I'm with you from an oxidative standpoint. Okay. Uh, she's gonna love that <laughs> uh nobody does nobody does like it because it doesn't feel good it, it it aside from the fact that it doesn't feel good it's like it's like lifting 500 pounds doesn't feel good but there's a sense of accomplishment that comes with it and then when you when you're lifting you know 50 percent of your one rm with an incredibly slow tempo over the duration of a full minute, it is punishing, right? And then, but there's no sense of accomplishment, right? At the time, there's there's no reward of like the, oh, I just said a PR kind of a thing. It's like, no, it just hurts a lot. No, that all makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Right. Okay. Thank you.